All right, let's turn to your Bibles this morning. We'll be in Luke chapter number 9. Luke chapter number 9 this morning. I know it's not the first Sunday of 2023, but I thought I'd give you a week to settle in to see what it's going to look like and see how you need to adjust for the new year. But I was reading something the other day and I uh, thought I would share this with you. It says, someone once observed that a wasted life is really nothing more than a collection of wasted days. God gives us life. And each one of us start the new year with the same number of opportunities. 365. And we can choose either to use and invest it in eternal things or allow it to drift by without taking advantage of the gift that we have been given. The difference between those who succeed and those who fail is not primarily found in their talent. It is in their diligence and their effort. In the new year, as it dawns on us, uh, many think of what is to come for the new year. What's going to happen? Again, we anticipate new life, new direction, new adventures, and even maybe new dreams. Thinking of those things, as we learn to plan and, and again, strategize uh, what's going to happen, being able to put forth our best effort to achieve those goals that we set for ourselves, that's the idea we need to stop and think about as we look forward to 2023 and what we find in scripture this morning. We're here in Luke chapter number 9. We're going to begin reading in verse number 57 through the end of the chapter. Luke chapter 9, starting in verse number 57, it says, And it came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes, and the birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. And he said unto another, Follow me. And he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. Jesus said unto him, Let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go bid them farewell, which are at home at my house. And Jesus said unto him, No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. In this portion of Scripture, I want to draw out some things that will help us consider the decisions we make as we enter into a new year. Again, stop and think about your decisions and what is to come and what God places in front of us. But let's have a word of prayer and then we'll get into the message of this morning. Lord, again, we do thank you for those that have given up their time this morning to be here. Lord, thank you for, uh, again, the sweet time of fellowship we've had already, being able to sing your praises, Lord, to be able to fellowship with each other. But Lord, as we come to the important part of this service, Lord, the opening up of your word, the preaching of your word, I pray, Lord, that you would help us draw from it what we need today. Lord, I pray that you would just speak to hearts as only you can. Lord, again, allow us to let the Holy Spirit direct us and guide us. Lord, do the work that only you can today. I pray that you'll just use me in whatever capacity, Lord. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. For anyone who might make the right decision or say they want to follow the Lord and do what it is. It, again, it takes the Spirit of God to lead us and direct us as we want to seek His will and way. We take time to, to study the Bible. We take time to pray. Again, asking the Lord to help us and direct us as we look forward to making some decisions for the new year. Understand that Satan is constantly trying to bombard us with, with distractions and keeping us from following God and doing what he wants us to do. 
Oftentimes, we don't take that into consideration as we're looking forward to the decisions that we make. But we have an enemy, the Bible says. He's a very strong enemy, very strong adversary that is trying to keep us from following God. So it's important that we recognize and understand we've got an enemy. We've got somebody that's trying to defeat us and keep us from following God. So with that mindset and that understanding, uh, we need to make sure the decisions we make are focused on what God would have us to do. Remember what you do. Every decision you make, every action you take starts with a choice. Okay? Now we oftentimes say, well, you know, I, what, the devil made me do it. That's one of the, the big excuses that people use. Or, or I didn't do this and I didn't do that because of whatever reason. The decisions we make, whatever they are, good or bad... Is based on our decisions, our choice. So understand that this morning, as we set our path, as we look forward to the, the new year and all that's going to happen, all that's going to come, uh, we've got to make the right choices. We've got to make the right decisions in doing that. <clears throat> the first thing I want you to see this morning is uh, we find here in verse number 57, a willing follower, a willing follower. Lord, I'll follow thee whithersoever thou goest, it says. Uh, Lord, whatever you say, whatever you do, I'm going to follow you. Now, that's a lot of people for uh, a lot of times in their life. They say, Lord, I'll follow you. And maybe when you got saved, uh, <clears throat> the first thing you said, Lord, I'll do whatever you want. I'll follow you. I'll go your way. And that's great. But what happens between that time of making that decision to when it comes to falling away? When it comes to not making the, the proper decisions? You know, there's a lot of people today that say, yes, I want to be that willing follower. And I would put myself in that category as well. I want to be a willing follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. But there's, not, there's been times I have not made that right decision. There have been times in my life that I have not followed God and what He wants me to do. So again, it's a choice I have to make. I want to follow God. I want to make sure I'm doing what He asked me to do. The only way we can do that is, again, allow the Holy Spirit of God to, to search our hearts. Psalms 139 verses 23 and 24 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart, and see if there may be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way of everlasting. I want to make sure, Lord, that uh, you're searching my heart because everything I say and everything I can do, I can justify. You ever heard those people that can justify anything? There are people out there that can come up with an excuse and answer that can justify anything they do. But again, David said here, Holy Spirit, search my heart. You can't give an excuse to that. He's going to look around those excuses. He's going to look around those things that we justify because he knows our hearts. I think we often ask God to show us, to direct us, to lead us as we move forward into a new year or even into a new day. But seldom do we ever want to change what we are already doing. That's the kind of mentality that a lot of religious people have. Many get stuck in a religion because mom and dad did it or they have the mentality of that's the way we've always done it and that's the way it's always going to be. Why change it? Albert Einstein said this, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over, expecting different results. You can't continue down the same path you've always done and expect to draw closer to God. You can't continue to do the same things, commit the same sins, have those same wrong influences, and think you're going to be a better Christian today than you were last year. It doesn't work that way. This is why, again, we've got to ask the Lord, search me, Lord, what is it that I need to change? And then make the decision to change it. 
He's, he's faithful in showing us that. He teaches us that over and over again as we study our Bible, as we come to church and hear the teaching and preaching of God's Word. God says, here's what it is I want you to change. Whoa, I don't want to do that. Here, you're drawing the line there. I'm getting too close. I don't want to do those things. But God says, this is what you want. This is what you're asking. You want to draw closer to me. You've got to change this. You've got to stop this. You've got to correct this. You've got to go here. You've got to do this. You've got to do that. But we don't want to give in to change. We're Baptists, right? We don't like change. I understand that. Change can be scary. Change can be something that we don't want to be a part of. But yet, when the Holy Spirit is directing us, we need to follow His lead and make those changes. Again, as the Lord was speaking to these followers... He said that there's going to be tests there in verse number 58, excuse me. Foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man have not where to lay his head. The Lord is asking here, are you sure you want to follow me? I don't have all the world's material possessions. I don't have all the niceties of life, but are you sure you want to follow me? Many Christians get caught up with trying to achieve what, they, uh, what the world considers as success. Many times they miss out on the really important things in life. We get tested over and over to see who it is we're going to follow when trials come. We want more money, so that means we've got to work more in order to get it. And then once we get that more money, we want to buy those things that, uh, that the world says is part of success, which will keep us out of church, keep us away from our family, and not following what God wants us to do. It's a vicious circle. It's a vicious cycle that many people get caught up because that's what the world says is success. We need to be careful and make sure that we're following the Lord and what He wants. If you want to follow me, if you want to have that, that best house on the block, that latest gadget, that newest style, it may not be the way God has for you to go. If you decide to take a stand and follow the Lord with all of your heart, with all of your soul, as Scripture commands us to do, then there may be some trials that come as well. We may not be the most popular person at work or at school. We may have to sacrifice some things in order to, to get what is better or what is best for our lives compared to what the world says. Again, success in God's eyes is not the same as what the world thinks. Willingly follow the Lord when it comes to making time for Him. Again, we were talking in Sunday school this morning how important it is that we make the decisions, that we decide to prepare ourselves for what God has. You know, Sunday morning, uh, preparing ourselves didn't start when you got up to put your clothes on. It started last night when you decided what time to go to bed to get enough sleep to make sure you're here at church on time. Because there's a lot of people say, well, I stayed up too late last night, so I didn't come. Then you're not preparing yourself in the right time. That should start, honestly... I, I've said this many times before. Wednesday night after church, you should start preparing yourself for Sunday morning. Lord, help the preacher, whoever's preaching this week, help him to prepare the message, help him to have in, in line what I need when I get there on Sunday morning. Lord, help the Sunday school teacher as they're preparing that lesson to give me what I need when I get there for Sunday school. Help the person that's preaching Sunday night uh, that give me what I need when I get there Sunday night. By the way, Sunday night, 6.30, we have service. Okay, so I thought I'd throw that out there at you. We've got to prepare ourselves before we enter this building to receive what God has for us. So again, it's a part of that preparation. It's understanding that we're going to go through trials. We're going to make a decision to follow Him. Realize all that God asks us to do 
is a worthy cause. Number two this morning is a worthy cause. Again, as we look back at verse number 59. First part of this verse, it says, And he said unto another, Follow me. Follow me. As you look at this verse and you have a red-lettered Bible, you'll find that this portion is written in red. This means these are the very words of the Lord Himself. Is what the Lord asks us to do, is it worthy for us to do? Can, you, can we say that it's worthy uh, of what it is He calls us to do? He is the God of the universe. He's the one that set the stars in the solar system. He's the one that placed each planet where it is. He's the one that created everything that we find, everything we see. The birds of the air... The, the, the fish in the sea, the animals on land. He created all these things and He created you and me. He is worthy of our praise. Have you ever wondered or asked the question, what does it take to be a follower of God? Again, He says, follow me. Well, what does that mean? What does that take? Notice a couple things with me as we understand this worthy call. First of all, when God calls, it is a divine call. It is a divine call. This is not a request from the pastor or another person in the church. It's not uh, a suggestion made by other believers. We must realize and recognize that this is God who is speaking. And He requests that we follow Him. He can't make us. Understand that. He can't prod us and poke us. He can't uh, uh, the tip of the spear. and uh, you know, That's not the idea at all. Because He is a shepherd. He's going to lead. He's not the butcher, that, uh, butcher that's pushing behind. He's going to lead. He's going to be out front. We need to learn to follow Him as He's setting the pace, as He's going through life. Follow Him. Again, this divine call is important. This call is worthy. It's more than just a divine call. It's also a discipleship call. This is more than just using the name to identify yourself as a Christian because anybody can say they're a Christian, right? We're called to be a follower. A learner of God. Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 4, verse number 19, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. So we can say we are a fisherman. We can even say we, we own a fishing rod. Anybody, I got a fishing rod. You can have different lures. You can have a boat that's got a fish finder on it. Uh, we can really say we're a fisherman there. Or we could study what it takes to, to catch the different type of fish. We could see what lures and what bait we'll use and the temperatures of the water, the depths, the time of years and the season, where they're going to hide out, where they're going to be. And we could study all these things and say, hey, I'm a fisherman. But truly, until you take that line and put it in the water, you're not really a fisherman. You can talk about it all day long. You may understand all that there is to know. But you're not a fisherman until you actually fish. It's the same way as being a Christian. There's a lot of people today that says, oh, I'm a Christian. Oh, I study the Bible. I do this and I do that. But are we following God? Are we doing what we are supposed to be doing? Are we doing what the Bible tells us to do? A disciple is defined as a learner, a follower, one who adheres to the doctrines of Christ. Are you putting these things into action and truly becoming a disciple of the Lord? Or are just, you just putting a name tag on that says Christian? That's a question only you can answer. Are you putting these things into action and truly becoming a disciple of the Lord? Or are you just, again, doing what everybody else does? Or I want to follow them and I want to be like they are or whatever. We need to make sure we follow Christ. Again, this was a divine call. It was a discipleship call. But more importantly, it is a direct call. The Lord calls each and every one of us individually to follow Him. 
Salvation is a personal call. Each individual must again seek and accept that call of salvation as the Holy Spirit is drawing us to Him. Not only is call of salvation, but it's also a call to a specific job. You know, God has got something for you to do. I'm not here to do your job. You're not here to do my job. We're here, all of us, to do the job that God has called us to do. Well, what is that job? Some say, well, I don't know. Are you trying to find out what it is? You know, if I'm going to be a follower of somebody that wants me to do a, a specific job, then you know, I'm going to uh, bug, hey, what do you want me to do? 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 What do you, every kids do that. What about, what about? That's what the Lord wants from us. He wants us to follow Him. He wants us to seek Him to make sure we're doing what He has called us to do. The one thing we must understand is it's our choice. We have to make the choice to accept that call or not. 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 21 says, And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. God says, you need to make up your mind who you're going to follow. Are you going to follow the world and what they want? Or are you going to follow Christ? We have to choose who we want to follow. And that choice can only be made by the individual. We looked at the willing follower, the worthy call. And now we come to something we don't like to hear, the weak excuses. The weak excuses. Look with me at the end of verse 59 through 61. It says, But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. Jesus said unto him, Let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go bid them farewell, which are at home at my house. We come to another year, and we can look at what, we, what is to come in a couple of different ways. We have the mindset of change. We can understand that things are going to happen. Things are going to be changed. Things are going to be better. Thinking we can understand more. We can draw closer to the Lord and, and learn from our past mistakes. Being that willing follower is exactly what we want to do and how we have to start to be that way. Unfortunately, that's not how all will end up. There are those who begin the new year with excuses. It's always the same saying, I would, but. And that's exactly what we find in the text here this morning. Again, the second part of verse 59 starts off that way. I would, but I must bury my father. We're given the picture here of a man who was asked to go and bury his father first. Now, this wouldn't be a problem if the father had passed. But the implication here is that this father was old, but yet still alive. Lord, I would go with you, but my father's being, uh, he's very aged, and uh, I need to go take care of him and, and take care of all the family business, as it were, before I go and follow you. Many Christians start out with a desire to follow God as best they can. This is why we see them, uh, when they first get saved, they have that zeal, that desire for the Lord. And after a while, they begin to feel the swaying of Satan, the distraction pulling them away. Then they become the disciple at large. <laughs> one that's just kind of drifting here and there, going back and forth, not focused on one thing specifically. They don't want to get too close to the church because people will look at them and think they're weird or, or call them names or whatever the case, but yet they don't want to get too far away from the church because then people will question them and wonder where they've been or what's going on in their life or somebody may come after them or whatever. Again, they feel they need to, to be that middle ground. They're not hot, but yet they're not cold. 
And this type of Christian is exactly what makes God sick. Revelations chapter 3, verses 15 and 16 says, I know thy works. Thou art neither cold nor hot. I would work thou cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spew thee out of my mouth. The Lord, of course, is speaking of the church of the Laodiceans here. They were lukewarm Christians. Those that were apathetic towards the things of God. And we find this more and more growing in churches across the country where people are becoming lukewarm. They become apathetic towards the things of God. It doesn't matter one way or another. Uh, I'm just here. And that shouldn't be our desire. That shouldn't be the way we are when we come to church. We should have a, a strong desire, a zeal to want to serve God, to be excited about meeting together as a family, to worship Him, to exalt Him, because He is worthy. first excuse was to bury his father. The second weak excuse came in verse 61, but bid them farewell. Some seem willing to follow the Lord wherever he desires, but then they get derailed when their plans come about from their family. It begins to distract them and keep them away. For most of us, our family are the ones that encourage us to do whatever unless it comes to doing something that they don't agree with. Our families can have the strongest influence on our lives. That we are willing to forsake all and follow them instead of following Him. There are excuses that people use daily on why they can't follow the Lord and why they sh shouldn't do this or should do that. We still have people that are members here that use COVID as an excuse not to come to church. But you'll find them at Walmart. You'll find them at Dollar General. You'll find them at the Dollar Tree. You'll find them in all these other places, but yet they won't come to church. Then there's the sickness. Well, there's this sickness. Then there's that sickness. And this on and on. And little Johnny has a ball game. Little Susie wants to go do this. And again, excuse after excuse will come. You know, it seems like they find more excuses on not coming to church than what they would if they were called into jury duty. We'll find every excuse in the book not to be here. If you're looking for an excuse, guess what? Satan's always going to be there to give you one. He's always going to provide one for you. Just remember, none of them are accepted by God. You know, as I was looking through this last night, I caught a phrase that kind of popped out at me. Verses 59 and verse 61. Both of these wannabe followers showed their true desire when they said, me first. You know, it's one thing uh, uh, talking about me. Hey, it's about me, me, me. But they went as far as to say me first. Who should be first in our life? Well, it should be God. We know that. But yet they've come to the point of, Lord, I would follow you, but me first. Lord, I, I would teach this class, but me first. Lord, I would go out on this bus ride, but me first. Lord, I would witness to my neighbor, but me first. I would do all these things, Lord, but me first. It's about me. And again, that's nothing more than an excuse. How many times do we allow our selfish desires to get in the way of surrendering to the Lord and being that willing follower that we addressed at the very beginning? Well, we had the willing follower, the worthy call, the weak excuses, and finally this morning, the worldly pull. The worldly pull. Look with me at verse 62. And Jesus having said unto him, no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. 
If you're trying to live for God and follow what He wants us to do, then we must focus on Him and Him alone. Many believers start out right, but they don't stay right because they begin to be pulled away by what this world is distracting them and getting them to believe and understand. We can look at many different examples in Scripture. We go to 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse number 19, a very familiar one, for Demoth hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. That's kind of the catch-all that we look at. But we can also see in uh, Genesis chapter number 19 where Lot's wife, again, said, I'm going to follow the Lord out of this place. But yet she decided to turn back and look where God was brought her from. And what happened? She turned to a pillar of salt. Why? Because her heart was back there. She was more focused on what was behind her. She wanted more of what she was leaving than what God had for her ahead. When we're easily pulled away from God, we can become very indecisive in what we do. You can imagine trying to plow a field, again, as verse 62 tells us. Can you imagine putting your hands on the plow and deciding, I'm going to plow the field, but I don't know which, way, which direction I'm going to go. I could plow this way. What good are you going to do trying to plow a field if you don't know where you're going to go? When we walk our spiritual walk, we must choose to follow the right path. It's not a once-a-week decision, but an everyday decision. We shouldn't choose to follow God one day and then go our own way the next day. When we're indecisive, then we'll definitely be ineffective for God. Consistency is the key to all walks of life. When you raise kids, you want to be as consistent as possible between the husband and wife to making sure you have the same decisions to follow the same path. You can't be a good friend if you're not consistent. You cannot be a good Christian if you're not being consistent as well. Paul encouraged the Philippians in Philippians chapter 1 verse 27. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel. That whether I come and see you or else be absent. That I may hear of your affairs. And that you may stand fast in one spirit and in one mind. Striving together for the faith of the gospel. Hey whether I come by and see you or somebody else tells me. I hope it's the same thing. I want it to be the same desire. The same direction that you want. To follow God. Our desire should be to see others get saved. To enjoy the benefits that we have as believers. And the only way to do that is to live a life that is pleasing to God. One that is not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Again, as we reflect and look back at what our theme is for this year. But one important factor to look forward to in the new year is to learn from the past. We should look back to evaluate where we went wrong and estimate... What it will take to succeed. Pastor and author from years gone by, A.W. Tozer, said this. If we do not know where we have been, how in the world are we going to determine where we are going? That is the only reason to look back. We don't look back for any other order. We don't want to go back, but rather to look back to see that we can measure and go in the right direction. I want to make sure I'm heading in the right direction. I want to make sure that 2023 is a, is a good step for me. To make sure that I'm following the path that I need to follow. I want to be that willing follower. I don't want to give excuse. I don't want to allow myself to be pulled in the wrong direction. The question is, what about you? What will your new year hold? I know we probably can't answer that question. But what will it be in your 2023?
I ask that you bow your heads and close your eyes this morning as we again have a time of invitation. I know we can't see what will happen in the coming year. We can't control the outcome of what will go on. But we can decide to follow the Lord.